God's forgetfulness Removed as the east is from west Far away from all power and principalities My sins are in the depths of the sea Gone are the shackles, gone are the stains. I'm free from the bondage, free from the chains. My sins are separated as darkness from dawn. Praise God, I'm forgiven. My sins are all gone. In the depths of the sea of God's forgetfulness, removed as the east is from west, far away from all power and principalities, my sins are in the depths of the sea. In the depths of the sea, of God's forgetfulness removed as the east is from west far away from all power and principality my sins are in the depths of the sea my sins are in the depths of the sea Amen. Aren't you glad your sins are in the depths of the sea? Amen. At least I trust they are. If you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, we forget sometimes how real eternity is. We lose sight of the fact that this isn't all there is. There's something more. And uh, it's, it is easy to lose track of that. It really is. But it's something as believers we can't afford to do. We just can't afford to do that. Not only do our lives and the prosperity that we hope to experience in this life depend on it but also the eternities of others depends on that so god help us to never forget that this is not all there is there is a tomorrow and as we live our lives remembering that eternity is just a breath away well let's go ahead and take our bibles today turn over to the book of revelation chapter 3 revelation chapter 3 today i'm going to begin with that verse we'll read a couple of others and then we'll <clears throat> kind of move into our message as we kick off the new year, I thought it would be appropriate to begin with a message that I've entitled and that the Word of God says, uh, I come quickly. <laughs> I come quickly. You may already have an idea what that's about then, and I hope you do, but let's go ahead and take just a few moments as we look forward to the new year <clears throat> and as we consider the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. We read there... Behold, I come quickly. Hold that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Again, we have here the Lord speaking to the churches of Asia in the first, well, the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. And um, here he says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. And um, it's important to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. That's so important. 
Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 7. Again, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Behold, I come quickly. Chapter 22, verse 12 and 13. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The Lord Jesus again saying, Behold, I come quickly. Notice verse 20 of that same chapter. It says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen? Even so, come Lord Jesus, John says. But he says, I'm going to quote the Lord himself when he said, I come quickly. It was in the year 2009, we were at camp, and we'd had a good week of camp. And that Thursday morning, we'd gathered out under the tabernacle, and just like we always do, and, and uh, preparing for some preaching, and uh, some of the music took place, and some of the preliminaries had transpired, and all of a sudden, I mean, it just seemed like out of nowhere, a tremendous wind started pouring into the tabernacle. Uh, there was a report that came on uh, somebody's phone or possibly the, uh, you know, their GPS or something stated that there was a huge storm that was coming in. And so they got all the children, all the kids and uh, the leaders and everyone and took them and ran them out from underneath that pavilion, took them over probably about 200 yards or 300 yards away to uh, an indoor facility down in the basement and into that particular uh, indoor facility. And there I stood out there on that, that um uh, kind of a porch there, and I, I, I felt the winds blasting away, and I watched as all of a sudden a wind shear came across, and every chair in the uh, uh, that, that auditorium flew to the front. Just I mean, just whoosh, just like that. I mean, it just whoosh, they started just sliding across the floor, went right to the front. Man, I'm going to tell you something. That came on us quickly. wasn't expecting that. One moment we're all sitting there looking forward to some preaching and looking forward to a service. And before you know it, we're rushing off, running across this open field into a building. And next thing you know, whoosh. It came quickly. Bent the trees down to the ground. Pushed the chairs to the front of the tabernacle. Man, I'll tell you what, that happened fast. And in our passage in Revelation chapter 3 verse 11, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly. Again, in this particular passage, he's speaking to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Chapter 22, once again, he's reinforcing that same point over and over and over again. I come quickly. I come quickly. Obviously, the Lord wants us to know and remember that he's coming quickly. He's coming back quickly. And the idea here is that there'll be no warning. That's really what the idea is. It's not saying that necessarily, I come quickly, well, you can expect me this afternoon at 2.30. That's not what he's trying to impress upon us today. As much as he's trying to impress upon us the idea that he's going to come back quickly without warning. We're not going to have time to say goodbye to our neighbor. We're not going to have time to witness one last time. We'll not have an opportunity to say I love you to a family member or friend. No, when he comes back, he will come quickly, the Bible says. In Matthew, turn if you would there, Matthew 24. We see this 
illustrated in verse 24, 30, excuse me, chapter 24, verse 38 and 39, the book of Matthew. <clears throat> It says, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Chapter 24, verse 38. Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Again, the implication is that not only could He come, but He will come quickly. And the fact is, is that consider for a moment, if you would, 40 days and 40 nights of rain. The rain came up and the rain came down. That's what the Bible teaches us. Literally, when it was all said and done, the highest peaks of the, of the world were covered in 40 days. I've done a little math in my, my day on this, and if, if I'm correct in this, it had to have rained, I think it was six inches per minute. Now, now listen... Wait, was it six inches a minute or six inches an hour? I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? But, but my understanding is that the rain came so hard that if you were out in the open, you couldn't have even lived. It was coming up and down at the same time. You'd have drowned it immediately almost. I mean, you know, we see pictures of movies, people climbing up into the caves and hanging out going, ah! Man, I'm going to tell you something. They didn't have time to get to the cave. They didn't know till the rain came and then it was too late. I mean, the, 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 the heavens opened up, the rain poured down, and the rain came up, and boom, before they even knew what hit them, it was over. He says, that's... He says, they were going on with life. They were marrying, giving in marriage. They were eating and drinking. They were doing all the things that people do every day of their life. But all of a sudden, just like that, it was over. It was done. No warning. Oh, I know that we had a preacher over there preaching and telling them, hey, God's going to let it rain. They're going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that stupid old man. But all of a sudden, the rain came. No one had a chance to go, oh, by the way, can I come in? We often see that just, you know, on, on movies, you know, everybody banging on the thing as the rain starts to pour down. Ah! I'm going to tell you something. They didn't have any time. It came. It was over. Jesus will come quickly. That means you're not going to have time to think about what you need to do. You're not going to have time to pack. You're not going to have time to say your goodbyes. As we said, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. I want to consider the fact, yes, he's coming quickly, but... I want to consider it from four perspectives. One, I want to consider that from the Scripture. I want to consider the scoffer, the saint, and the sinner then, in, in light of the fact that he's coming quickly. So let's take a look at those four things. In light of the fact that Jesus will come quickly, let's consider the Scripture, the scoffer, the saint, and the sinner. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership today. Father, speak to our hearts. And Lord... If there be any that are in this place that are not settled on their eternal, their eternal destination, that do not know for sure heaven's their home, I pray, Lord, that they would settle that today by trusting and receiving your Son, allowing Him to have place in their life. And, Lord, for us that know you, may we, Father, put things in order while we can, realizing that, Lord, you come quickly. 
Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you'll accomplish in these next few moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First of all, from the scriptures, let's consider the fact that he comes quickly. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Let's start in verse 15 instead. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. We note the scriptures, and the scriptures teach about this to coming. And it says over in verse 15 of chapter 4 of the first book of 1 Thessalonians, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 4, please. Revelation chapter 4, as we address and deal again with this, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Many times we refer to this particular situation as the rapture. Notice what it says in Revelation. We have a picture of it here. The Apostle John is writing in the book of Revelation, and he says, After this, verse 1, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will shew thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Look in 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 15. Again, we note this particular event being spoken of, addressed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. In that particular passage, chapter 15, verse 51, we read, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, we're going to notice in all three of these particular scriptures, there are some similarities or commonality between them. One, we notice there's a trump, a trumpet. We see here the trump of God in 1 Thessalonians. We see a trumpet talking with me in Revelation chapter 4. We see in 1 Corinthians the last trump. Again, these are tied together, these passages. They're dealing and referring to the same event. We also notice that in the first passage, they're caught up. In the second, they come up. And in the third, shall be raised. Again, associating all three, putting them all together. Someone says, well, let's teach on the rapture. What verses should I use? Well, these are three good passages because they all work together to point out the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's going to return for His own. And His own are those who have put their personal faith and trust in Him as Lord and Savior. Those that have become part of what He calls His body, the church. Not only that, but we notice in our original passage that we began reading in Revelation, I come quickly. And then in Revelation 4, immediately. And in 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Isn't that amazing? That's how quick. When we think about a twinkling of an eye, we think, what is that? Well, as quickly as light would flash upon your eye and be gone. It's just that quick. It's not like there's even time to really comprehend or think about it. It just... It's there and gone. 
in the twinkling of an eye. May I say, when that trumpet sounds and the voice of the archangel sounds, let me tell you, that quick. No time to put away things you're working on. No time to turn off the computer. No time to get packed or changed. No time to say I love you to a, a family member or a friend. No time to witness the last time to a grandma, grandpa, a friend or neighbor. No, this will be it. It's just like that. I come quickly. See the scriptures, but note the scoffers. Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. The scoffers. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll read through verse 4. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, we read this second epistle, beloved. I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where's the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, of the creation. Now, I I want you to understand as we look over the passages and as we look over Scripture, when we, we look at the... 1st and 2nd Timothy and 1st and 2nd Peter and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And we look over 1st and 2nds. We often find and realize that when God is dealing with them or, and He's using His, His, His man to, to deal with these churches, he, in the first of the 1st Thessalonian, He's dealing with outward pressures. Issues that they deal with as a result of the world and that which comes from the outside in. The battle that takes place between the child of God and that which is on the outside. But when he gets to the second of these epistles, whether it's Thessalonians, whether it's Timothy, or in this case, Peter, he's really dealing more with that which was the battle that takes place within. Now what I mean by that, and what what I'm telling you is this, it's important to realize this, because what he's saying really in 2 Peter is not, as we draw closer to the return of Christ, you're going to find scoffers out there. You're going to find those people out there that just don't believe in Jesus, that don't want anything to do with God or the Word of God. No, that's not what he's really referring to. What he's really trying to teach us and tell us is that within our ranks, there will be those who will not accept and receive True doctrine that will reject the fact that Jesus is returning. They themselves in the body, those here, in our very midst even, will oppose pure doctrine and truth. And there will be scoffers amidst us, he says. He says, we see their condition. Walking after their own lust. He's saying there will be those that will be carnal versus spiritual among us. In 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, For ye are yet carnal, he tells the Corinthians, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? The fact is, is that there's no doubt that if we would have a group of people together and we would begin to refer and speak and talk of those scriptures and we said, boy, we can't wait for the return of Christ and someone says, you know, we've been saying that for years. There's a scoffer right there. There's a scoffer. Somebody that, well, we've been, they've been saying that ever since I was in church. 
And he still hasn't come. So is he really? I just, I, I'm not saying he's not coming. I just, what are you saying? That you don't believe the scripture then? You, oh, so I get it. Your condition is that you're carnal and not spiritual. It's not that you're not saved, maybe, but you are carnal. You're thinking with the flesh. You're living in the flesh. You're allowing the flesh to control you, not the spirit. Wait, but we see their challenge now. Yes, their condition is that they're carnal versus spiritual. They're walking after their own lust. But he goes on to say, they, their challenge is, where is the promise of his coming? It's, notice it's where is. It's not even when, it's where. It's like, well, where's he at? I can't see him. I can't see him. I walk by sight, not by faith. Wait, no, that's not what the scripture tells us to do. The Bible actually tells us, it says in the book of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So the first question out of this carnal person's mouth is, where is the promise of his coming? I can't see him. That's the problem. Because we can't see him, it's not true. Well, what about our salvation? What about our eternal hope? What about heaven itself? I haven't seen that lately. But by faith we believe. We see their condition, we note their challenge, but also their criticism. As a result of the fact that they're carnal, not spiritual, as a result that they walk by sight, not by faith, now we're going to see them very critical. They'll say, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Nothing's ever happened, nothing will happen. Here we go again. Preachers up there talking about the return of Christ, acts like we got to get started and move, really working hard and fast because we may not have tomorrow. Yeah, whatever. Been there, done that. Hey, folks, listen. I, what we're seeing here is that the scoffer isn't just somebody that doesn't believe in the Lord, so to speak. It doesn't have a testimony of salvation that is outside the church looking in. But sometimes the scoffer, and we're warned, could be in our own ranks. And as we draw closer to the return of Christ, that becomes more of a threat and more of a problem. We note not only the scripture and the scoffer, but notice the saint. Let's consider the saint in light of this, I come quickly. I come quickly, the saint. The saint, the Bible tells us, has a responsibility. The truth is, we must be watchful. Look, if you would, in Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Bible tells us there, <clears throat> Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can read it. But notice again, a servant. He says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. See, whether you're a servant in this world or you're the servant of God, in the sense of dealing with a God we cannot see, the fact is, is that a servant's responsibility is to meet the need of their Lord, to be watching for their return so that they can immediately deal and address the, the need at hand. Well, for us, 
we serve God. And we should be watching for our master. Always watching. Always keeping our eye on the sky. Why? Because there will be no warning. So we have to be expecting him, watching for him. Look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 25. Again, we see this idea of no warning illustrated in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Matthew chapter 25. See, as believers, we must be watching. As saints, we must be watching. Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. See, the saint must be watching, ready. Yes, we need to be saved, but we also need to keep our eye on the sky, looking for the return of our master. We must be watching. But also, we must be working. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. We're talking about the saint. In light of the fact that the Lord Jesus will come quickly... We need to be watching, but we also need to be working. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I mean, the Bible exhorts us to be constantly active in the work of the Lord, involved in the things of Christ, being steadfast, unmovable, not allowing ourselves to vacillate or to go from this to that and to be double-minded, no, but to be focused on Christ, watching and working, looking and striving to live for the Master. In John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Well, we know we only have so much time. And boy, when that trumpet sounds, just like that, it'll all end. No opportunity to change or to, to, to do anything new. We won't be able to go out soul winning one last time. We won't be able to teach one more lesson. We won't be able to learn one more memory verse. We won't be able to do one more thing because the moment he returns, he comes quickly. Not only must we be watching and working, but we need to be wary. So what's that word wary mean? It means careful or cautious. Look, if you will, in 2 John 1.8. We need to be careful and cautious because the Bible is very clear that what we have done to that point in our life is important. We may have, for 10 years, served the Lord faithfully and then turned our back on Jesus Christ. And God says, When he comes, he'll come quickly. And unfortunately, you may lose reward that you had gained. Notice what he says in 2 John 1.8. 
Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 25, we read, But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. See, that which ye have already. We've amassed maybe some, some reward because of our consistency and our faithfulness. And someone says, well, I don't do it for rewards. Well, I don't know. The Lord tried to motivate every one of us with reward. He makes sure that we realize that one day we'll stand before Him. May I say those rewards will be cast at His feet? I'm confident of that. Because we will more than ever realize that it was all Him and not us. But the fact is, is that we will receive those rewards. But He says, hold on. I come quickly, so you better be wary. You better be cautious. You better be careful that you don't take a left turn or a right turn or get off the the straight and narrow. Not that you'll lose your salvation, but you will have your works burned up potentially. You will lose that which you have already gained. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, since we're talking about it, and maybe it'll help a little bit to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice verse verse 11. Let's start there. The Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've established the salvation. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. That's a child of God's works. This is a judgment seat judgment, not a great white throne judgment. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But... He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Well, I like that part right there. He'll still be saved, yet so as by fire. But hold on. He shall suffer loss. And that's exactly what the Lord's trying to warn us about. That He doesn't want us to lose what we've already gained. How sad would it be for a a child of God to go like gangbusters for Christ for ten years and then all of a sudden be tempted to turn away from the Lord and the things of Christ? And then all of a sudden, a year or two later, the rapture takes place. He comes quickly. And he says, man, you were going so well, but you lost what you had already gained. Wouldn't that be sad? We need to be wary. So in light of of the fact that he comes quickly, we've already noted the scripture. We've considered the scoffer. we, We looked at... The saint. And now let's consider finally the sinner. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's begin looking or reading in verse 2. Chapter 5, verse 2. For yourselves know how perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Again, he says, you know 
yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. You know, one of the, 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 the uh, desires of a thief is to be able to come and go without anyone knowing. Now, it seems today that thieves, for some reason, have ulterior motives constantly. You know, it's a sad thing to hear somebody breaks in a house because the first thing you think is, who'd he hurt? But in the day, it used to be that thieves would break in and steal, and their goal was not to hurt anyone. As a matter of fact, they may even case the house, they may case the, the business, and they try to get in and out with no one even knowing. That's the real goal. And that's exactly how the Bible says the Lord will return. He's going to come and go. And you know what? The world's not even going to know He showed up. He said, that's impossible. So it's just like that. He'll come quickly. Someone says, how could you miss all those people? I don't know, but I'll tell you this much. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians that, that the Lord Himself will send a, a delusion, a lie. People are going to believe something other than it was God. I'll tell you that. I don't know how in the world you get around it. But the fact is, is that God's got a way of getting around that. <laughs> and they're going to believe the lie. In and out, that quick. And may I say, you're not going to escape. You can't get away. If you are saved and you're a child of God, you are gone. But let me tell you something. If not, you're going to have to be left behind. You won't be able to be taken. And then the Bible says the tribulation, that seven-year horrible time that we often hear about, read about, and unfortunately, even sometimes movies like to do a little twist on that tribulation. It's not scriptural usually, but they certainly like to, 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 to reveal the hellish aspect of it. That's what you'll be subjected to without Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 24, verse 40, 41. Look there if you would, please. Again, he says, I come quickly. The reality is, again, that the sinner will be left behind. The sinner will not be taken out. The sinner will be forced to go through that difficult, most horrible time called the tribulation. And ultimately come face to face with God. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. We just stop there. I think the point is pretty clear. We'll be side by side, hand in hand, and just like that, one is gone, the other is left behind. And that is the reality for the sinner. Left behind. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, we're given an admonition. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I'll take care of this salvation later. I'll deal with Jesus tomorrow. I'll, I'll work on my, my religion down the road when I've sowed a few wild oats, when I've lived my life, when I've done some things I've always dreamed, when I've finished my, my to-do list, and when I finally you got, you got that uh, bucket list taken care of that I thought through and that I've always wanted to do and accomplish. No, I'm going to tell you something. He comes quickly. And may I say, if you're not prepared, if you're not ready, and if you aren't saved today, let me tell you, you'll be left behind. Well, hold on a second, Lord. Give me a minute. Let me take care of that. Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. Oh, God, I'm, I beg your forgiveness and your mercy. Oh, God, say, no, you won't have time to do that. I come quickly. 
Well, I'll do it afterwards. You can go ahead and believe all those little videos you see. You can believe all that stuff you've heard from all these so-called television preachers. But let me tell you something. According to 2 Thessalonians, if you have heard a presentation of the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God has pricked your heart. You know the truth of Jesus Christ and you have rejected the Lord. You will not, 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 not have an opportunity to be saved. You'll believe the lie. I come quickly. This morning I want you to know that the Scripture is true. The scoffer needs to accept the truth of Scripture and trust that Christ will soon return. The saint needs to work while there's still time and remain faithful to ensure rewards are not lost. And the sinner needs to be saved by placing their faith and trust in Jesus who came the first time and will come again the second. God help us to make decision today to settle our salvation first. And then we, then we can deal with our service to the Lord and our Master and King. But the first thing first, our salvation. I mean, are you confident that if He would bust through that eastern sky today, are you sure that if the clouds would open up that you would be taken out? Are you really for sure and know without a doubt that when that trumpet sounds, you'll be gone and not left behind? If you don't know that for sure, you can settle that. And it won't be just a ticket out of hell. It's got to be the fact that you're a sinner and you deserve hell. And the fact that you recognize the need of a loving, perfect Savior that's died on an old cruel cross and shed His perfect sinless blood so that your sin could be washed away. You realize that you need His mercy, His forgiveness, that you can't get to heaven on your own You can't find favor with God by yourself. You've got to have Him in your life and in your heart. You settle that today. You can go from being the sinner to the saint. And when the trumpet sounds, you'll go and not be left behind. And if you are a child of God today, let's get past the fact that we're just saved. Let's start asking ourselves, what can I do to serve Him that loved me enough to die for me? He gave His very best for me. God help us in 2016 to remember, I come quickly. Father, we come to You.